Welcome to Masterminds of Maintenance, a podcast for those with new ideas in maintenance. I'm your host, Ryan. I'm the CEO and founder of Upkeep. Each week, I'll be meeting with a guest who's had an idea for how to shake things up in the maintenance and reliability industry. Sometimes the idea failed, sometimes it made their business more successful, and other times their idea revolutionized an entire industry. I'm super excited. Today, I have here with me the founder and CEO of Improver Technologies, Inc., Calvin Williams, as today's guest on our show. Calvin, you know, you're a 20-year continuous improvement operations professional who's led many, many initiatives to help save and create billions of growth opportunities for powerhouse manufacturing companies, some of the likes of, you know, Nestle, Tyson, Mars, and also the, industri- the military industrial base. You know, I also know uh, more recently, Clorox as their senior manager of global continuous improvement. Welcome, Calvin, to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ryan. So glad to be with you today. All right. Well, that was quite a handful of all the different accomplishments that you've had within this industry, within the space. Um, you want to start us off by tell, telling us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you came to all these different opportunities which led you <laughs> to starting your own company? <laughs> well, you know, I, I think you covered it really well, Ryan. Um, I would say perhaps I got a little bit of a short attention span, but I don't know. Maybe that, <laughs> maybe that helps me out in continuous improvement, right? Always looking for uh, continuously getting better, uh, progressing in my own career, uh, really taking on, getting inside these great companies have been sort of a blessing for me. And then uh, getting some great assignments and, you know, doing my best to hit those out of the park and, and uh, continuously looking forward to uh, the next opportunity. Um, but I kind of started off as a traditional IE in the plants coming out of college, industrial engineer um, with Tyson. And then uh, was looking for more, some looking to get more into continuous improvement. Uh, took a position with Nestle for a few years as their industrial performance engineer. You know, with that experience, I got to see some really good changeover reduction projects and things like that, but wanted to manage people. So took a position with Colgate, uh, leading production teams, and then uh, kind of just took off from there, uh, bouncing between continuous improvement and operations leadership and uh, a stint in management consultant as well, which gave me some exposure to uh, a variety of different manufacturing environments. So that's uh, sort of how the story unfolded. And <laughs> Yeah, just uh, happy to be here with you today, taking it one step at a time. All right. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious, you know, what led you to starting Improver and your own company after all of these <laughs> different experiences working in manufacturing? Oh, man. Uh, you know, somebody asked me when did I start Improver. My, my answer just right off the top of the head was, uh, I've been doing this since I was born. <laughs> 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 That's what it feels like to me anyway. Um, but yeah, you know, getting getting such a diverse point of view into so many different manufacturing environments um you start to see a common trade you know they all want to do more with less they all want to get better they all want to improve continuously uh but uh in their efforts to do so they don't always succeed at it so um start to notice a sort of a common theme of issues that companies run into in their quest to get better um really the big three are you know insufficient tools and information uh, those transactions, those communications, you know, as you're trying to drive improvement tend to break down or get missed and that leads to decline. The second biggest thing is lack of support and engagement. You know, even the most well-meaning leaders want to see better results, uh, want to see CI thrive and, and really grow in their businesses, but a lot of time they just don't know their role in making that come to fruition, you know. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes what you see is, you know, they hire a, a job title, 
continuous improvement job title. And so to look at that as, hey, I, I got the I got the guy hired, I'm done, right? They kind of just back away and let, you know, say, hey, how can I help? But um, really, CI is not really a job title. It's a it's a way of doing business, and I think uh, that gets missed a lot of a lot of times. So uh, that's the second big, biggest thing. I think the third biggest thing is around sort of sort of to that point of you know bringing in an expert and saying that expert's going to do it, or or not bringing in an expert and saying we're going to do it. What tends to happen is the the skill set, the the capability to solve problems and kind of see the next challenge and figure out how to overcome the next challenge that skill set doesn't disseminate broadly throughout the organization, right? It either stays concentrated in a, in a function or an individual and, you know, the folks with their hands on the work every day uh, tend not to really build that capability so that they can see and solve problems for themselves. Um, and that happens up and down the, the chain of command for operations and even support functions as well. So uh, those are some, some common things I saw. And I say, you know, a lot of this stuff can really be helped by technology. So, uh, and that sort of led me down the, the path to say, you know, let me bake, you know, the metrics tracking, the project management, the strategy deployment, you know, some of these core things in every CI project, every CI initiative, let me bake some of these core things into a software package. And if I was, if, if me 10, 15 years ago as a plan IE, if I would have had this thing in my hands or an operations leader, if I'd have had this, uh, I'd be uh, been a lot happier off and working a lot less hours uh, to get my job done. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it sounds like yeah. such a great journey, Calvin, uh, of seeing a problem firsthand and then, you know, basically creating the solution for yourself, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, you've had a ton of different experiences across many, many different companies too, some big, some massive, and some a little bit smaller. Um, I'm curious, Calvin, when you look back at some of the continuous improvement projects that you've worked on, is there one that stands out to you as like the most memorable, the most impactful? You know, my first CI project was the one that, uh, that, that I found to be most exhilarating, right? Cause <laughs> up until that point, it was all theory, right? It all sounded good. You know, I read the books, I'd listened to the, the experts, I'd watched the videos, but I hadn't done it. I hadn't seen it come to fruition at that point. Uh, my first project, I was working at Nestle, actually, and uh, a corporate team came in and said, hey, we're, we're trying to reduce changeovers across the network because we've identified that as the biggest opportunity for us. I was in the, in the industrial performance role. Um, I went over to my manager and the plant manager and said, hey, I think this is a good idea. Why don't I go ahead and lead a changeover project for the plant? And uh, their response was, um, sure, but don't let it interfere with your day job. <laughs> so, <laughs> you can do that but on magic time do that on magic time not on our time so uh that that gives you a, a a glimpse into what the culture was back then but so we got into it um i put a team together we started meeting weekly and every week in between meetings we would say hey we're going to change a b and c and then see what the result is for the subsequent change over times and um by the end of i think 12 or 13 weeks we had cut change over time by about 40 percent we would get visitors after that. And uh, this initiative that, that started off as do it on magic time became the crown jewel for the plant. And yeah. that ended up kicking off the plants full buy-in. We're dumping, we're jumping in head first into continuous improvement. And then it just started going broad and wide after that. Um, and I ended up winning um, second place in Nestle's USA's uh, continuous excellence program that year for that project too. So that's huge as your very first project. Wow. Very first project. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's amazing. That's so, so amazing to hear, Calvin, that early signs of success. You know, one thing that I wanted to, to bring up is, you know, I'm sure that that question around magic time is a common theme across many organizations. Any like tips, tricks, advice for folks that want to drive continuous improvement projects at their plant, at their facility, but aren't necessarily given the time and resources to be able to really do it? Mm, yeah, now that's, that's a tough one because, you know, there's a cultural, there's a, there's a broader cultural challenge to doing continuous improvement. Continuous improvement isn't free. Right. Um, although sometimes we're led to believe so. It's 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 all good. It's all free. It's all greatness. Um, but the reality is, it's an investment, right? And you may or may not get an ROI on that investment in the time frame you're looking for. So, um, for someone like me, who, you know, in the role I was in, um, I was in an engineering role, so I was a support resource already, and I didn't, you know, I was salaried, so. I could just kind of work the extra hours, a couple hours a week to kind of organize things and work with the production teams to make some good stuff happen, right? Um, and that started the early buy-in. We, we tracked the results. We said, here's where we were before. Here's where we are now. We're trending in the right direction. It's, this is how it's affecting the bottom line for the plant. Um, and that helped me to generate some momentum. Now, the reality is that a plant should probably say, you know, we have our operating budget. Here's how much we need to spend in order to sustain normal operations. Here's how much we need to spend in order to satisfy current customer needs. Here's our continuous improvement budget that's extraneous to that budget. We wanna go very fast, so we're gonna commit a sizable amount of money toward continuous improvement. And that money should pay for teams to be meeting on a regular basis, perhaps on overtime. Maybe you're gonna hire outside resources to to close out action items that, that are out there. Uh, maybe you're gonna buy new equipment. Maybe you're gonna you know, uh, really en enhance your maintenance and repairs, functions, activities. So yeah, I mean, continuous improvement costs money. It's gonna cost before it benefits you. And then uh, over time, as you make those improvements, as you engage your workforce further and further, you make the financial commitment, you make the resource commitment. Over time, you should start to see uh, uh, a pretty significant year over year return on that, on, on that investment. Um, mm -hmm. I look for a 10, 10 to one ROI uh, easily if you, if you really go at it and do it right. That's awesome. I, yeah. I, I'm also curious uh, for the companies that you work with, how do you, how do you roughly, how would you gauge how much budget to put towards continuous improvement? Well, it really depends on how aggressive the company wants to be. Right. So if, uh, if you're a company that is on a burning platform and you don't have a lot of time, you need to make a lot of changes. I would look to invest a pretty significant chunk, um, maybe as much as five to 10% even uh, of your operating budget to say, hey, for each individual in this company, 10% of their time is gonna go toward driving improvements to their area of responsibility, right? Um, if you're at a more pace level, um, working with the company right now, um, they've said, hey, what we're gonna do is we're just gonna keep three CI teams going at all times. When one team finishes, we're gonna basically replace it with a new team and have them focus on the next uh, most at-risk area for their company strategy. So uh, that's one of the things I like to do is tie company strategy, what's most at-risk, and then launch Kaizen or launch continuous improvement projects against those, that way you stay connected. That's the way the, the, the tactical CI work stays connected to the, the broader company strategy. 
But yeah, you can you can kind of set a flat uh, min max of three teams at all times. And yeah. essentially, the way those teams work is, you know, they meet on a weekly cadence. This is just this is the improver approach. They meet on a weekly cadence, and they it's almost like an agile project. Hey, we got seven days. We got so much horsepower sitting around a table. What can we accomplish in the next week? Let's do that. When we meet the following week, here's what we learned. Here's what we're going to do next. And you just keep going until you hit your hit your your target your target condition. So, yeah, I mean, you could decide we're just going to have one team going at all times. You could decide we're going to have every major area in the plant continuously approving on a on an ongoing CI project. So, uh, where you set targets and due dates, and you just can continue to work against those. So, so, where do you typically see continuous improvement relative to maintenance and reliability? Because I can imagine that continuous improvement spans the entire organization and not just you know the maintenance reliability department. I'm curious where you see that as well. The overlap. Yeah. So here's a that's a great question, and here's where I see it. Right. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with TPM, Total Productive Maintenance. Uh, TPM is an incredible program, right? Um, it's, it's heavy though, right? It's, 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 it takes a large, a significant commitment of a company to go down that track. And it's a little bit prescriptive as well. But the, the end all objective of TPM is to achieve and sustain what I call base condition or peak operating conditions. Yep. Um, in which case, when you turn the machine on, it jumps up to 100% in as little time as possible. It stays at 100% of what it's capable of doing until you, you're done with it, you turn it, on, you turn it down and you don't have any, any more demand for that equipment. So um, ideally, continuous improvement and reliability, or at least a, a major subset of continuous improvement is looking to achieve and sustain base condition and so is, so is reliability for the most part, right? So yeah, continuous improvement is, is two, twofold though. On one hand, it's, you know, let's be as efficient as possible with the resources you have. On the other hand, is let's make sure we're moving in the direction that the market is moving and staying connected with the customer. So that's the, I think that's the overlap, but you know, the sort of the more market driven piece is, is probably the, the big differentiator. So I guess I'm also curious too, for continuous improvement, do you see this as like a completely separate department or is this like an ideology? Is this is this something, a culture that's bred within every single department, every single person? I think if you're, if you're really going, going with it, it's every person, every department, every day. I think that's what you're ultimately trying to get to. And it starts with the, with the top, right? Um, I just, <laughs> I got a, I got a, um, a plan I'm working with now, right? And the, the, the one of the, the leaders executives comes to me and says, Hey, why don't you do a, a CI training for my people? The, the, you know, folks on the shop floor. Right. Uh, and I'm happy to do that. Done it before many times. Um, but the thing is, you know, when you, you can't necessarily delegate the, the CI mindset and, and the understanding of continuous improvement to a support person or an outside person really. Right. It has to be a fundamental way of doing business and it has to be led by the leader. Uh, it has to be just the kind of the, the mindset of the leader to, to be CI minded, expect that of all of their direct reports and then it cascades down throughout the organization. So um, yeah, it's more of a way of doing business. Um, but the thing is, you know, when you, when you sort of say, Hey, just train my people and, and let them go do things, uh, a couple of problems are going to happen, right? A couple of conflicts occur. The main one being, 
Um, it's almost like that, you know, leaders expecting their people to take initiative and start improving things on their own. And then when that happens, the leader's like, I don't understand what you did and I want you to undo it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go back to the way I like it. <laughs> right? exactly. So yeah, people don't tend to do what they learned in a training class. They tend to do what their leaders expect them to do. So it really has to cascade down from throughout the natural chain of command for the organization. This might be a leading question that builds upon what you're just saying, but I'm curious, you know, of all the companies that you've worked with, of all the companies that you've worked at as well, you know, which ones have, have implemented this ideology of continuous improvement the best? And, you know, what made them so incredibly successful and, and different than all the rest? Oh boy, that is a tough question. Um, I've worked for some companies that I would consider hard companies. And I've worked for some soft companies that also, it's usually spotty, right? Some companies are like, we are extremely cost sensitive and we're gonna drive to the bottom cost, you know, as, as well as we can, right? And in every conversation, every day, every metric, there's a cost element and they're driving hard against that, right? Um, some companies are like, hey, we're extremely sensitive quality company. We've had some dings in the past and we're not going to have that again. And they drive hard for quality, right? It's, hard, it's even hard to do a cost savings project because it's going to affect quality. We can't do it, right? So um, in that sense, you know, there is a, there is a CI culture there. Um, what's typically missing is the connection with as a company overall, what are we trying to accomplish? You know, what's going to bring the most value to the customer? Let's focus on the critical few and then let's deploy our limited CI resources. Remember I said, you know, you got to set a budget for CI. That's a limited budget. Let's deploy those limited resources toward that. Uh, the company I'm working with um, most recently with Improver is probably the best overall system I've seen. Wow. So, uh, this is a company called World Technology Ingredients. Uh, WTI. We just released a case study on them first thing this year. They've got a kind of a quarterly strategic leadership meeting that they talk strategy and, you know, what er you know, how's everybody doing, the executives. Uh, they have some at-risk areas that flow into a monthly steering team committee that says, all right, here's, here's the at-risk areas. Let's, let's assign some CI projects against these. Uh, let's get an update from our current um, CI leaders, how things are going. Um, they're also working towards certifications. So there's a, there's a kind of a three tier certification model, um, lowest levels improver level where you got individuals driving projects with teams. Um, second level up is like a coaching level where you got coaches coaching the improver level and then level two coaches is more for, uh, the executive level to coach the coaches who are coaching the project leaders. So, um, and, and they got a pretty much an ongoing model of, we got two main production areas. There will always be projects going in those areas to increase throughput or cut costs or whatever the priority is for. And then they break that down further into, you know, if it's increasing throughput, what's the number one thing uh, hindering throughput right now? This is what the team is focused on. We're going to go on a week to week cadence to figure out um, what we could be doing between meetings to drive improvement. And then, um, the executives actually go out and do gimbal walks. And during those gimbal walks, they're having the conversation of uh, what did you do today to drive improvement? How did it go? So it gets down to a daily level where leadership is engaging with the shop floor to, um, to really check in on the progress of, of those projects and just make sure they're closing the gap. So 
That's awesome. So what I hear yeah. is like, it becomes part of the daily culture. It's not just a, you know, once a week or once a month type of thing. It's every single day. And what I'm also hearing is that it, it came top down, right? It started right. from the top and it's the top training the, the, the next layer who trains the next layer, who trains That's right. the next layer. You know, the, the, the tricky thing about it was uh, there's, there's three layers, right? The improver level, coach mm -hmm. one level, um, level one coach and level two coach. In order to become a level two coach, you first got to become an improver level. So executives have to lead projects first and then sort of work their way up the pyramid. And then they bring their, their people up the pyramid yeah. as well after them, so. Absolutely. I'm curious, Calvin, when you look at some of the other companies out there and folks that you've worked with in the past, you know, where do you see most companies not, what do you see most companies not doing enough of with regards to continuous improvement? You know, I would say the companies that are trying just don't prioritize very well, right? It's almost like, fix what we can kind of approach yeah. instead of a let's improve what we need to improve. Right. Let's, uh, let's look at what our priorities are, our business, you know, the critical few, and let's figure out how to fit, how to improve those areas. Uh, typically CI functions just, you know, walk the floor and see a problem and, and, and say, Oh, yeah, I think we can fix that. Let's work on that. Right. Um, oftentimes you end up spending a lot of resources, again, limited, limited resources available. Um, and by the end of a year, two year, three year, you really haven't moved the important needles in, in any significant way. Uh, that's if you're getting any progress at all. So um, I think that the prioritization is where the gap is to a large extent. You know, let's figure out what's most important and then let's allocate resources against that, those, those critical few. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So obviously, Calvin, you started a company, a software company called Improver. Um, where does where does continuous improvement software sit with regards to all the other different technologies um, and things that we have to do on a daily basis within a manufacturing or within a within a plant? So the way it's improvers design is designed for folks from the shop floor up to uh, really executive level, CEO level even. Um, and we we focus more on the small and mid sized manufacturing market, CPG specifically. Um, really, you know, with the with a small investment of time, just a few minutes a day, um, you can just kind of go in the system, see what uh, actions you need to complete, um, input any data if necessary, respond to messages and things like that. Um, and essentially the software, if you think about the way businesses typically run, manufacturing, uh, manufacturing uh, factories typically run, um, most companies do some type of strategy deployment, for example. Um, but you'll probably see it plastered on a hundred different spreadsheets. If you got a bunch of different factories or um, you'll see it in some complex PowerPoint deck and Word document or something that often gets kind of folded up and tucked away as soon as the strategy conversation is over. When you say, hey, let me check out your root cause analysis stuff, right? You see um, PowerPoint decks and Excel spreadsheets and, you know, uh, whiteboard pictures, pictures of white, I've seen pictures of people, taking a whiteboard RCAs, uh, tucked away somewhere on the, on the file that no one can access. Um, talk about project management, people use uh, Excel spreadsheets or um, some other document, Word document or you know, PowerPoint or just meetings with scraps of paper right, to, to track what needs to get done. 
you know, one point lessons, you know, training documents and things like that. So if you think about all these things that are essentially fundamental to any CI project or CI effort, um, they're all kind of scattered out and none of these tools talk to each other and they don't talk to the organization, right? At large. So what Improver's done is said, hey, let's seamlessly integrate all these things. So they're now talking to each other. They're talking to you. Those communications don't get missed. Um, the software is reminding you that, hey, you got, you got a couple things on your list to do. Make sure they get done so the initiative moves forward. Um, it's got the strategy thing in there. So it, you, know, you, know, you know what's most important for the company. You can see all the way up to the CEO and all the way down to the shop floor, uh, what everybody's working on, how they're progressing against what they're working on. Um, is tracking metrics in real time to say, hey, you're 50% of the way there in terms of time, but you're only 30% of the way there in terms of progress. You know, you're, you're supposed to get to 100 units a, a minute, but you're still at 50 units a minute. So, um, so it's saying, hey, you don't have a lot of time left, but you still got a lot of progress to make to close your gap, your gap specifically. So um, it's really scaling continuous improvement down to the individual level as opposed to a plant or enterprise-wide where nobody's truly responsible for the result. It's more so um, at the individual level where every individual knows what they are on the hook to accomplish. Is there something that you wish more people knew about, you know, continuous improvement um, in, in the industry that you're in? Honestly, I wish more people knew it's not that hard. <laughs> I know my previous explanation didn't make it seem that easy and simple, but um, it's not that hard really, right? It's, uh, you know, a lot of time we tend to focus on all the tools and we overcomplicate it. We add all these terms, these uh, uh, Japanese terms in America um, and other places too, I guess, that are confusing and people don't understand. It's not natural to people um, in America anyway. And um, many other places in the world, I assume it's the same. Um, and it's just, it's just, I think it's a little overcomplicated, right? And, and, and I can speculate on why it got that way. But the fact of the matter is improving something is not that hard to do, right? In fact, the person doing the job every day is probably in the best position to drive improvement for that process. Mm -hmm. um, and we tend to want to bring in these complex calculations and tools and methodologies and uh, books and experts and all this other stuff. But um, what people really need is a challenge. Yeah. You know, it's a, just challenge the person and you'll be surprised at the level of ingenuity that everyday people working on the plant floor can can generate to, to solve the problems that lie before them. So I love it. Yeah, I completely agree with that. You know, continuous improvement is is not this like crazy, difficult ideology. It really is just a culture shift. And it's better to start today than to hold off and you know, understand all the different terms, methodologies. Yeah. It really is that simple to get started and be better than you were yesterday. That's, that's my that's whole right? Just issue a challenge. Hey, your line is putting out 100 pieces a minute. Let me see if you can get yeah. to 120, right? People love that. <laughs> yeah, people appreciate that. Like, okay, yeah, let me try. Let me give it a shot. Yeah. Um, of course, some will struggle with that and some will have ideas right away. Like, well, I kind of need you, my boss, to give me this and then I'll be there, right? <laughs> so... And that's the right conversation to have, though, you know, if that's what's needed. Awesome. Calvin, where do you go to, to continue learning and where do you go for new ideas? The ultimate learning experiences for me come from the Gimba. Like just working with different factories, getting to see how different companies operate. Uh, a lot of them have really good processes and practices in place. 
that I can say, wow, that's really neat. Um, I know some other companies that are really struggling with that and just experimenting with them, right? And oftentimes um, they're designing the experiments. I'm just sort of creating the, the structure for that experimentation to happen and still protect the, you know, the daily operations of the business. Um, but a lot of times they're coming up with the experiments. They're saying, oh man, this worked great. This didn't work great. Let's try this next time. I think those kind of things um, really give me fuel to, to, to kind of work toward the next thing, next big thing for myself. So okay. um, I think that's the ultimate. All right. Well, well, Calvin, you know, how, how can um, our listeners continue following you on your journey and, you know, all the great success that, that you have? Well, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I think probably that's the best way. Um, and, you know, we got a YouTube channel, Improver Technologies on YouTube. Um, that's probably the best way to do it. Um, we're also, obviously, email is a good way, admin at improver.com. And, yeah, that's, that's probably how you do it. And, yeah, I'm happy to hear from, from anybody who has interest in Improver and learning more about it. Uh, it's my favorite story to tell. So <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, thanks so much, Calvin, for joining us. I definitely learned a ton about continuous improvement myself. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's Masterminds and Maintenance. My name is Ryan. I'm the CEO and founder of Upkeep. You can also connect with me. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn as well. You can also email me directly at ryan at onupkeep.com. Until next time. Thanks again, Calvin. Thank you.